The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. The crowds asked John the Baptist, What should we do? He said to them in reply, Whoever has two cloaks should share with the person who has none, and whoever has food should do likewise. Even tax collectors came to be baptized, and they said to him, Teacher, what should we do? He answered them, Stop collecting more than what is prescribed. Soldiers also asked him, And what is it that we should do? He told them, Do not practice extortion. Do not falsely accuse anyone and be satisfied with your wages. Now the people were filled with expectation and all were asking in their hearts whether John might be the Christ. John answered them all saying, I am baptizing you with water, but one mightier than I is coming. I am not worthy to loosen the thongs of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fan is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire, extorting them in many other ways. He preached good news to the people. The Gospel of the Lord. Brothers and sisters, So today, we celebrate Gaudete Sunday, which is this third Sunday of Advent, where we kind of focus on joy, right? The entrance antiphon for today's Mass is rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. And in both Advent and Lent, about halfway through, we have this Sunday where we wear rose-colored vestments to symbolize joy. It's kind of... Uh, We're halfway there, and there's hope that what we've been preparing for is going to arrive soon. So when I was younger, and I noticed the rose-colored vestment at Mass, I would always think, Ah, Christmas is almost here! When I was older, and I saw the rose-colored vestment at Mass, I was like, Ah, I gotta go shopping! But then in our spiritual lives, there's this other thing, this kind of, oh, I really should think about how I've been preparing myself during Advent. And my favorite thing liturgically about Advent is that we focus on John the Baptist so much. Because admittedly, you know, even reading Gospels like today, People start wondering, is John the Baptist the Christ? And then he says, no, one mightier than me is coming after me. I'm baptizing you with water. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And 
in my kind of modern American mind, I would think to myself, well, then we don't really need John the Baptist. I'll just wait around for the fire. But John the Baptist had a purpose. And he continues to have a purpose in our own hearts and our own spiritual lives in the way that we conduct ourselves, even within our families. Because when John the Baptist came into the world, he came into the, he was in the desert preaching, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight his path. And he's sort of this figure that calls people to conversion in a very human way. They gather in a very human way. They confess their sins to one another. They decide we're going to live differently. And in doing so, their hearts become disposed so that they're ready to receive our Lord when he comes. And this week, people start asking him questions like, what should we do? And his answer is really very simple. To the crowds, he says, if you have two cloaks, share one with the poor. To the tax collectors, we'll stop extorting people's money. To the soldiers, stop falsely accusing people. Just stop sinning is basically what he's saying. And just stop sinning. And so people gathered around him in community in order to stop sinning. And as they do so then, their hearts are more disposed to receive our Lord when he comes. And so the constant question of the Advent season for us is, okay, what is it that's going on in my life that I need to stop doing because it's getting in the way of our Lord coming? Am I too attached to the television? Am I too attached to internet? Am I a workaholic who's not paying enough attention to my family? Do I busy myself with all kinds of things that don't matter and neglect the things that do matter? Am I carrying around resentments that need to be forgiven because they're just taking up the space in my heart that could be filled with our Lord? and with his love. Because the joy that we proclaim is the fruit of our Lord coming and dwelling among us. And so it's the fruit of our Lord coming and taking up residence in our hearts. Our joy is the fruit of offering our Lord our entire heart. And my own prayer during this Advent season has been this simple question. Like, Jesus, what if I give my whole heart to you? What if I give you my whole heart? 
It's a really interesting dialogue because it's kind of, what, what if I give you my whole heart? Are you going to just leave me hanging? Am I going to be bored? Are you going to take care of me? If I give you everything? Because that's the goal of our Christian lives is to give him everything. Which is why we have to constantly work on them because none of us have given him everything. If you have given him everything, then like you're a saint already. And you should come see me and be my spiritual director. (laughs) What if we give him everything? Because when we do, it's then that we start to be filled. And we have that kind of lasting joy. And sometimes the everyday things that go on in our lives, they get in the way of joy. And we become distracted or attached to all the things that might be going wrong in the world. And it's important for us to reflect on stories of joy and stories of hope. You know, I've been privileged over these last years to work a lot with people who struggle with addictions. And it's also why I tend to like John the Baptist more because really John the Baptist is kind of a patron saint for those who struggle with addictions. Because really what John the Baptist does is he like gathers a community of people and they confess their sins to one another. And they decide they want to live differently and they support each other in living differently so that it makes room in their hearts to have conversion and receive our Lord when he comes. And that's really what happens in a 12-step recovery room. Is a group of people get together and they confess their sins to one another and they decide they want to live differently. And lots of people have these conversions in those spaces and you get to watch people's eyes light up and their hearts be filled and they're on fire. A lot of people have conversions there. Because addiction recovery and conversion are the same thing. And if we want to have conversion, we can learn a lot from people in addiction recovery. That's also why a lot of people in addiction recovery rooms say things like, I'm recovering from being Catholic. I'm sure I'm not the only person who knows somebody who said that once. And what they mean when they say that really is that they received, they like encountered our Lord more in the church basement than they did in the church sanctuary. And I think that's something we have to reflect on. Like, uh, there's something upside down about that, but we can work on it. And, uh, and recently I had a friend of mine who, you know, he came on a training that I did in another state came and talked to me. He'd been miserable in his priesthood for like 15 years, kind of going through the motions, kind of caught up on the internet, never thought his life was going to be better, really had no hope. He showed up at this conference I did just like, well, I might as well try something else. And then in a very human way, he started to discover these obstacles in his life and these obstacles from his history. He'd been in counseling for about 12 years, but his counselor wasn't really focusing on those areas of his life that needed attention. And so like he went home and he fired his counselor and got a new one. And uh, 
and he called me the other day and he said, I just want you to know how much joy I have in my priesthood. That everything about my life is different. That my priesthood used to just be a job and now I'm like on fire for our Lord and what our Lord's doing in my heart and what he's doing in my parish. And I was afraid of talking to, you know, the other priest in my life about this. And then I talked to them and they received me with love. And I was feel, I just like, I don't know, I guess joy's real. Just an amazing story to receive. It's an amazing story to receive. And really what he's been going through is this big extended kind of advent. This big extended time with John the Baptist and in working through kind of human things in order to make space for our Lord in his heart. And he does experience this thing called joy that we proclaim today. And so too, like within family life, like what are the obstacles that you encounter in family life? Are you making space just to be with one another? You know, if today's gospel was written for the modern world, it might say, like, families came to John the Baptist, and he said, like, turn off all your screens and talk to each other. Or families came to John the Baptist, and he said, don't be so busy about activities and all the things that you have to drive around. Just spend time together. Or married couples came to John the Baptist and he said, just spend 10 minutes a day just being with each other. In a very human way. Because it's there that our hearts are prepared to receive grace. And so what are like the concrete things that can be adjusted in all of our own lives so that there's just more room for our Lord to enter in so that he can take up residence in our hearts so that we can have joy. And so we've only got like eight or nine days until Christmas. Eight or nine shopping days. But also eight or nine days <clears throat> to look at our hearts and to prepare space for our Lord in them. So that when we celebrate his coming at Christmas, when we look, we also are experiencing his coming into, into our hearts and our families and our parish. And we pray that we also experience the joy that comes from belonging to him. From giving him our whole hearts. From entrusting to him our whole lives. The joy that comes from belonging to him and him alone.